Hey everybody, this is Sean, and welcome to Capsule Production Podcast, Season 3, Episode 1. Our guest is a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist and associate professor at the UF Colleges of Pharmacy and Medicine. She also was a member of the UF Board of Trustees, where she served as faculty senate chair. She is the loving mother to two dogs, Teddy and Johnny. With her today, we'll be discussing her career path, the lessons she has learned, and her passion for ambulatory care. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Vogel Anderson, who will be interviewed by both Riley and Joven. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. This is Jovan speaking. I am a 2PD at the UF College of Pharmacy in Orlando. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Riley. Hi guys, I'm Riley. I'm also a 2PD at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy at the Orlando campus. Um, today we're actually in Gainesville, though, with Dr. Katie Vogel-Anderson, who we are very thankful to have. So thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for coming up to visit me and including me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course. So today we are going to kind of just get to have a cool conversation with her and ask her about all the different things that she's involved in with pharmacy. And as we were kind of thinking about all the questions that we wanted to ask, we found out that you were involved in quite a lot with our (laughs) university. So it's pretty cool to have a professor that is so highly involved with UF and who loves the Gators a lot. So the first thing we kind of wanted to talk with you about today was just kind of your career path here as one of our faculty members and your pathway into how you found ambulatory care pharmacy as a passion for you. So if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about how you came to love that part of pharmacy and why you chose that, we'd love to hear about it. Okay, sure. So I actually, 20 years ago today, graduated from Florida State University. I got my biochem degree there. And then I was very lucky and thankful to get into the University of Florida College of Pharmacy. So I moved here to Gainesville 20 years ago in August. This is the longest I've ever lived in one place. I grew up as an Army brat, so I consider myself to be an Alachua County resident or ACR now. So I started pharmacy school in 1999 graduated in 2003, and it wasn't until my fourth year on rotations that I decided I wanted to do a residency, and I'll never forget the moment when I decided to do the residency was I was on my AmCare rotation here at the Gainesville VA, and the first day that I walked into the VA, I had this feeling like I had come home, and I think that growing up as an Army kid just gave me this certain special affinity for taking care of veterans. So I loved ambulatory care. I had done some inpatient rotations, and they were okay. But once I realized that you could take really good care of patients in the outpatient setting and really get to know them and their families and their story and just everything, I just knew that that was the right fit for me. So I applied for one residency program here at the Gainesville VA. It was a PGY-1 in primary care. I got it. So I did the residency from 2003 to 2004. I worked at the VA then as a clinical pharmacist until 2010. And then that's when I left the VA to come here to the University of Florida, which I never would have left the VA for any other job except for a job in academia because I really like the idea of having 
this opportunity to teach and practice and write articles and do some research and just be in a academic setting. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty lucky combination for a pharmacist to have. And so working at the VA was wonderful, and I don't regret one day that I spent there. But I wouldn't be here had I not been there. So I guess that's the long answer to your question about this career path. But I think at the end of the day, why I like ambulatory care so much is just going back to what I mentioned before, and it's being able to form a relationship with my patients. And I think I probably have shared this story before, but I'll never forget my first day at the VA when I knew that that's where I wanted to work or be a resident. But I'll also never forget when I met this particular patient named Mr. Maslokas, and you might have heard me tell this story, but Mr. Maslokas was a veteran who I took care of in the anti-coag clinic, so I got to know him pretty well, and he ended up getting diagnosed with some kind of cancer that I don't remember what it was. But at the VA, where I worked in the outpatient part, it's connected to the inpatient part. So when Mr. Maslokas was admitted to the hospital to start chemo and everything, I went to visit him while he was an inpatient. And so we're sitting there chatting. I think I had brought him like a newspaper and cupcakes or something. And the nurse came in to do his vital signs. And I said, okay, well, I'll give you some privacy. I'll let you go. And Mr. Maslokas said, no, Katie, you can stay. You are like family. And when he said that, that's when I knew that I had picked the right path because I never would have been like family to Mr. Maslokas if I hadn't gotten to know him in the outpatient setting. So that's why I like ambulatory care. And there's a lot of Mr. Maslokas kinds of (laughs) stories, but that one sticks out as like the first time I actually felt like that was the right career path for me. So before you came to that conclusion, what was your mindset, I guess, like about what did you want to do in pharmacy? Good question. So when I came to pharmacy school, what I wanted to do was work for CVS or Walgreens on okay. the beach somewhere and do 312s or 410s. And that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be at the beach and then I wanted to be at work and that was it. And sounds it like still a sounds like, sounds a, like a great life. life. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, I think that still sounds like that would be a fun option. Mm-hmm. Um, But I guess the reason I say that is I think it's so important for pharmacy students to know that you can come in with one mindset, but then if you're open and you're okay with changing your mindset, that is totally allowed. And if you are sitting in class with your peers and they're all like gung-ho about a residency and you're like, I don't want to do that, that is okay because that's how I was. And then it wasn't until rotations when I really knew that I wanted to do the residency. And the reason I wanted to do the residency was because I wanted my foot in the door for the VA. And I think that that happens a lot. I think if you come in so set on one thing, then you miss opportunities and other things. And so it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. And it is okay if you do know what you want to do. But I would really encourage you to stay as open-minded as possible. Because even if you know you want to be a pediatric pharmacy specialist, you could have the most amazing rotation in, like, a transplant clinic for old people. And maybe that's where you're meant to be. But you have to be open to that. And so it's okay to not know exactly what you're going to do. I feel like that's so relevant to even us now as students. Because when I walked in the door, there were so many parts of pharmacy, I think, that I had never even heard of. I didn't mm-hmm. know they existed. And right. then when you start to go through the curriculum, you learn 
that there's so much out there you didn't yep. know, and even things that when we graduate maybe don't exist yet, and new opportunities will arise. And I would say that every pharmacist who graduates from the University of Florida College of Pharmacy is a clinical pharmacist, and I hate it when students who do want to go the community path or the non-residency path feel some kind of way that they are, you know, letting the school down or, like, choosing a lesser career option. That is absolutely not true. Every pharmacist is a clinical pharmacist. And if you don't want to do a residency, that is totally fine. And I'm not sure how we as faculty can make that message clearer. Or maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel very strongly that um, every pharmacist who graduates from here is a clinical pharmacist, and you'll find your niche. And if you don't want to do a residency, then that is okay because there's all kinds of opportunities, like you just mentioned, Riley, and you don't have to do a residency for every single pharmacy opportunity. Got it. And um, just to go over AmCare a little bit, could you possibly explain to some of the people listening that maybe don't know what ambulatory care is? Sure. So pharmacy does itself no favors when we call something one thing and like medicine and nursing calls it another yeah. thing. So ambulatory care is really like primary care or it's internal medicine. It's just outpatient general practice. So instead of specializing in one thing like endocrinology or cardiology or infectious disease, an ambulatory care person takes care of all kinds of chronic conditions in the outpatient setting. So the key for AmCare to me is that it's in the outpatient setting typically, you know, connected with like a doctor's office or something mm -hmm. or a nurse practitioner. So it's just really taking care of people in the outpatient setting who have a bunch of different medicines and a bunch of different disease states happening. And so the goal for an AmCare person is to practice evidence-based medicine and hopefully keep patients out of the hospital as much as possible and to maximize their care. And so you currently work in the internal medicine department, mm -hmm. I believe, down the street in the Warfarin Clinic. So could you tell us a little bit about, like, what your daily life is like there when you're not in lecture with us? Sure. So, yeah, I have a practice site at Internal Medicine, which is affiliated with the College of Medicine. And although I do take care of patients who are on anti-coag or warfarin therapy, we do much more than just a warfarin clinic. So we're part of the interprofessional internal medicine team. So we see patients who are on anti-coag. We have a hypertension clinic. We do diabetes management with um, the resident clinic and one of the attendings. We do transitions of care. So any of our internal medicine patients who have been admitted to SHANS, who are then discharged, we get a list of those patients every day, and we call them to make sure that they're doing okay, because one thing you don't want to do is send a patient right back to the hospital. So we do a lot of medication management in the care transition time. We also will do medication therapy management. So maybe there's just a complicated patient with a bunch of different chronic conditions who's on a million different medications. Maybe all we do is fill the pillbox, but filling that pillbox keeps the patient out of the hospital. So all that being said, we're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., which it's never done at 5 p.m. So it's like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 7 a.m. till whenever, which is fine. That's part of it. But I think every day is a little bit different. So we do have our own anti-coag patients scheduled every day, hypertension patients every day. We have 30-minute appointment slots. So 
we could see patients who have all anticoag in the morning and all hypertension in the afternoon. It just kind of depends on who's scheduled. But the other thing is, because we're in the doctor's office with, gosh, I guess we work with about 10 attendings and 20-something medical residents, plus a physician's assistant and other um, like nurse practitioners and registered nurses, because we're part of this group, I mean, we get walk-in stuff all the time. So, Katie, we have this patient who's got all these medicines. We can't tell what they are. Could you or your student go meet with them? And, of course, we always say yes. So anything could could change at the, awesome. the drop of a hat, which that's another reason I think that I like Amcare is because every day is a little bit different. Having said that, though, we still see some of our regular patients, yeah, which allows that. for yeah. the relationship. I thought it was so interesting, too, because since I had the opportunity to shadow you this semester, I didn't realize, I guess, too, how much you did interact with so many different people from different parts of the medical team and right. there were nurses and the students that you had on rotations and like you said doctors would come in the room and just ask a random question about a patient that they needed help with um, and like you said too I think the most interesting thing is, is the relationship aspect because I remember watching you speak to your patients and it's not always just oh this is what we're going to do with your medication but you knew family members and you asked how Christmas was or how things had gone over the holidays for them and thought it was a really interesting piece of the puzzle that we might not always think about when we're stuck right. in the clinical yeah. side of things, but the fact that we're treating patients, yeah. and I think the job like you have yeah. is a really nice aspect of that, yeah. to be able to have that relationship. And it's often like the aspect that's probably left out in the curriculum, especially because when you're in class, you're just working with fellow classmates and stuff like that, so you right. build like the interprofessional bonding, but you don't really gain that opportunity, that experience, unless you're on your hippies to be able to communicate with patients. And I think that's something great mm -hmm. that um, I feel like you kind of teach to us in class. And that's something that we should go probably on ourselves to shadow professors like you and kind of gain that experience. Yeah, I think it's important because you see why people teach you certain things a certain kind of mm -hmm. way. And then when you see it in practice, you're like, oh, she wasn't just being a jerk. <laughs> like, this is really important to know. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, oh, she did tell us that. And this is why. And I would say that the relationship with the providing provider team or the provider staff, whoever, um, I kind of have a hard time with this word provider because I don't mean it like us versus them. Like, we're all providers. We're all providing care to a patient, whether we're an MA, LPN, pharmacist, nurse, physician. So the relationship with the other members of the providing team is important as well. And so when I first started at internal medicine in 2011, honestly, all they would allow me to do is anti-coag because they had a pharmacist there who was doing anti-coag before. They were not there every day. So, you know, it's kind of hard to get trust and to show your worth if you're only going to be in a certain place for a short amount of time. So they weren't really used to having a pharmacist around all the time. So when I started there, it was really important to me that we had this pharmacy presence. And the more the providers, for lack of a better term, got to know me, I'd say, oh, she knows what she's doing. Maybe she could help with this diabetes patient. Maybe she could help us manage this hypertension. The relationship with the patient is the most important relationship, but the relationship with the providers is important too because as you build up trust, then you get to do more more things. More avenues so, open up for you. Yeah, exactly. So for our next question, for example, someone would want to go back to school. 
to like further their education. What is like one piece of advice that maybe you would give? I believe Riley was saying that you were considering, or maybe you are going back to school yeah. <laughs> for, for a PhD. Yeah, I am. So kind of like um, from your perspective of why do it now instead of maybe doing it when you were in school? That's a good question. So the PhD program I am going into is something totally different than pharmacy. So I'm going to go into the College of Education to get a PhD in higher education administration. And so what does that mean? Well, <laughs> in any faculty member's uh, job description, they have these percentages of time that they have to devote to certain things. So I can just talk about mine, which is 80% of my time is teaching. 10% is service, which means like serving on the admissions committee or something. And then 10% is scholarship, which means research and publications. So okay. the 80% of my time that is spent teaching includes my clinical time, which is kind of strange, but that's just the way that it goes. So if 80% of my time is supposed to be spent with students in the classroom and in the clinic, then I need to do whatever I can do to be the best at that. And this PhD program will help me be a better teacher, but it'll also teach me ways to research things that right now I just don't know what I don't know how to do. <laughs> so, so like I can do a retrospective review of anticoagulation management for our patients and, you know, those things are really cool. That's fine. But what I am interested in because I spend so much time with students is what is it that we teach in the curriculum that sets you all up to be successful on your rotations, that then sets you up to successfully pass the NAPLEX. Is what we're doing working? And I think it is, but there's like all these methods to study that. And as a PharmD, I don't know those methods, mm -hmm. but this PhD program will teach me how to be a better educator and a better education researcher. So, oh, there goes that's, my bird that's, clock. Yeah, that's the bird clock. <laughs> that we have here in our office. I know. So it's 4 o'clock, and that is a house wren who is letting us know that it's 4 p.m. She's going to finish in just one second. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to edit this out. <laughs> no, I think saying. you should leave it in. It's so crazy. Everyone needs to hear the bird clock. So I guess I didn't even know that I was going to be a teacher in pharmacy school, so I didn't consider the Ph.D. I was about to ask you that, yeah. I think the PharmD PhD program that we have here at UF is really cool if you want to do pharmacogenomics or some sort of like research and policy that's pharmacy related. I guess I didn't even know what I didn't know way back then. And so now that I've had more time here at UF and I've learned more about, you know, where my weaknesses are with teaching and research and things like that, the PhD will just be a win-win. But for pharmacy students who are maybe thinking, gosh, should I do a residency? What about this PharmD PhD or the PharmD MBA? I think my advice would be like what we talked about a little bit ago, and that is to just really be open. And really, if, you, if I was going back to school, what I would do different is probably ask for more help or advice. I don't think that when I was a student, I got to know my professors very well. I got to know some of them, but I really just tried to figure everything out by myself. And I would say that most faculty here, whether it's Gainesville, Orlando, or Jacksonville, or your preceptors really are passionate about pharmacy. And so you should never be shy or afraid to ask for guidance, advice, a shadowing opportunity, as you mentioned earlier. 
I think that trying to get exposure to all that stuff while you have the chance in school is so important because once you graduate, you know, you can still keep a relationship with the university, but you're going to be working and there's all this other stuff that's going to take up your time. And, and so life. trying, yes, <laughs> life, not to mention. And so trying to take advantage of every opportunity like that in school is really important. That being said, though, you still want to get good grades, and you can't just do all the extracurricular fun stuff. Like, you still have to study and do all the things that nobody wants to do, but that's part of, you know, getting good grades and putting yourself into a good position for a job or a residency. So I think really trying to form, I guess it goes back to the theme of the day, which is relationship with the faculty as well. And networking, and networking with your classmates. So I was just going through some old pictures last night of when I, I found these pictures when I graduated from here, from UF. And I found this picture of me with my friend Scott, who 20 years later, I'm still friends with him. He works in the pain management area. And if I have a question, I call him. And that is the beauty of being in pharmacy school, because your classmates like you two yes, are going to keep in touch. Whether she likes it or not. I know, but that's what you need to do. It's all about... Co-workers for life. It's true. Because, you know, whatever you do and whatever you do, they're probably going to be different or even if they're the same it's nice to have this network you can bounce ideas off so I think my advice for pharmacy students is to really form the network while you're in school with your peers and with your faculty does that make sense I feel like I went on and on it does it does and I think that's something that I appreciate a lot about team-based learning because in the undergrad I went to UCF I didn't really talk to anybody I didn't really talk to my professors I just went in learned and I did well and I just went home and it's like coming into a program where I'm sitting with five or six, six total, so five or four, five or four other uh, students yeah. at a table and building relationships with them. And then all of the different like student organizations that you almost feel left out if you don't join one, it's true. which is kind of good. So yeah. it's like you build relationships with them and then each organization has a faculty member. Then you have your faculty advisor and it like kind of helps you build relationships with the teachers, which yeah. I think is super valuable. Yeah. I can speak for myself. I have um, Dr. Vandevoort as my faculty advisor, and she's always there to help me. Good. And whenever I have questions, like, she'll give me a resource to contact this pharmacist. My, um, on my kippy, same thing with my preceptor, like, he was extremely helpful. Anything I need from him, he actually emailed me not so long ago just to see how I was doing and stuff like that. So I think that's something that I really cherish about this program. Yeah. And I'm very appreciative about being here at UF. Yeah, I, and I, I think um, what you say about student organizations and, I mean, you have to make the effort to do mm-hmm. that. So I'm sitting here telling you, faculty want to help you, but they're not going to reach out to you necessarily exactly. either. There's so still the proactive portion, yeah. exactly. I think, as the student, yep. that you still have to yep. show the interest. But I think as cliche as it sounds, the, the term of pharmacy is a small world oh is God. certainly true. Yeah. I think both yes. in the world of academia, at our school, and around the globe, wherever you go yeah. after you graduate. Um, I really liked what you said, too, about just your path and leadership, and I think it's really great too that you kind of take the time to self-evaluate and see okay where am I now and Mm -hmm. the fact that even though you are a professor and you have this really successful career that you go okay I'm not done yet and what can I do better and where can I go from here and I think that's a really good lesson to kind of be that lifelong learner and think about what else can I still do and Mm -hmm. you don't have that mindset of okay I'm just going to stop here and be stagnant um, and complacent so I think that's certainly something 
we can all learn, I think, wherever you are in pharmacy. Um, Definitely a role model for us. Oh, my gosh. You're going to make me cry. Thank you for saying that. I, I hope I'm not making a big mistake by trying to get my PhD. It's no. too late now. I'm in. Big positive. Yeah. I'm dismayed because I found out that I have to um, get a PPD, like a TB test mm-hmm. and a tetanus shot. And I just told, I was in clinic this morning and I just told one of the nurses I work with that if I had known I'd have to get my shots updated, <laughs> I never would have applied to grad school. So we'll see if I can make it through getting the shots, then I'll be good to go. <laughs> so, um, Well, so in talking about some of that pathway and all these changes happening um, and just your path in leadership, we know that not all of that is always the fun part, um, and it's not always the success part. So we just wanted to kind of elaborate, too, and ask you, you know, throughout your path, like, what kind of struggles and obstacles have you faced? Because we all face them as students mm-hmm. and faculty and really any field that you're in. And so if you could just talk about maybe some of those that you have faced and how you overcame them. Um, sure. I think it would be really helpful for Yeah, and I have to tell you that um, until this year when I was on the board of trustees, I don't think I looked at, like, failures as something to talk about. I think I was always, like, ashamed. If I didn't do well at something, I couldn't let anybody know. That's embarrassing and shameful. But the chair of the board of trustees actually shared this story at a meeting we were all together at in October. And the chair of the board is this guy named Maury Hosseini. And he just said this thing in passing where he's like, we just have to try. And if we fail, we fail. He's like, sometimes when I look back at my career, the best lessons I learned were from my failures. And that's all he said. And it's really not that profound, right? Like I'm sitting here telling you and duh, of course. But when he said that to me, I thought, huh, that's a really good point. And if Maury Hosseini, who's this you know, businessman extraordinaire and is the chair of the UF Board of Trustees is actually saying in public that he had a failure. He didn't talk about what it was, but that wasn't the point. He just owned it. And he was like, I failed a lot of times, but I moved on. And so one thing that I think about that probably was a failure for me is that in Gosh, now I don't remember if it was 2014 or 15, but I was elected to be president of the Florida Society's Health System Pharmacist of SSHP. I was so excited to be the president. I couldn't wait because what I wanted to work on was pharmacist provider status and updating our Pharmacy Practice Act in Florida so pharmacists could do more clinical things, blah, blah, blah. So I'm in my year as president-elect, and so you're elected. And then you're the elect until, like, let's just say from September to August or whatever. So it's like May of my president-elect year, and all of a sudden it comes out that this person who had been employed by FSHP embezzled all the money. So all this money was gone, which sucks, but, you know, we're trying to figure it out. Well, then it turns out that there were some bills that hadn't been paid There was some maybe federal IRS issues that were going to be dealt with. And, I mean, it was bad. And I didn't know what to do. And I'm thinking, how am I going to be president of this organization? So my father actually had talked to someone and just said, my daughter is going through this struggle. And his friend said, I think your daughter needs to get a lawyer. 
I'm like, oh my God, how do I get a lawyer? I don't even know what that means. Certainly came out of left field. Yeah. (laughs) So I actually talked to Dr. Curtis, our own Stacey Curtis, who's married to a lawyer. And I said, I need help. I need to find a lawyer. And I don't know how to do that. So she helped me. And I got this lawyer in town and kind of went through all this stuff with him. And he's a nonprofit organization specialist. So long story short, the lawyer reviews my case, the way that the laws are written in Florida, even though I was not president at the time that this bad stuff happened with money, it turns out that I and my husband could be held responsible, exactly liable, and the IRS could come after our house and take our money and try to make us pay these bills that, you know, we're not in a position to do, and, you know, it's a volunteer position, and I just wasn't comfortable putting my family at risk for this organization for something that I didn't do, let alone the IRS, but there were some other I don't potential blame <laughs> So I had to resign. And I've, you know, been embarrassed to tell that story and this and that, and it was really uncomfortable. And I had to tell a certain leadership here at the College of Pharmacy because it was like this great news that Katie was going to be the president. And then now it's like, oh, Katie's a quitter. But I wasn't a quitter. I mean... But on the surface, it looks that way. And so I think through all of that terrible, long failure story, what I learned is that leadership is something that I take pretty seriously. I will never put myself or my family in that position again. I tell all the students now who ask me, if you're going to go and volunteer for an organization and be an officer, get their tax records, find out the treasurer's report, because you do not want to put yourself in a position where somebody's bad spending habits or thievery (laughs) will make you liable. And that was something that, you know, it's a kind of a awkward story to tell. And I was ashamed that I couldn't stick it out or that I wouldn't stick it out, but I just could not put myself through something like that. And I think I had to just suck it up and realize that people would probably say, well, Katie couldn't handle it. She's, a failure. We never should have elected her as president, but that's something that was a good lesson to learn in the long run because I think unless you've gone through that, you would never know that you could be held responsible for something mm-hmm. you just didn't do. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question. No, now that I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, what were we talking about? <laughs> All my failures. Well, let me tell you the next one. No, I thank you for sharing. I think it's definitely something that when we see successful people, we yes. you see the success, mm-hmm. and you don't see everything else that they've gone through right. and their journey and all the things that they've had to go through to get there. Right. Um, and I think even in a story like that, it's something that you can't account for. You don't know that that's going to come up, and then it's in your face. Yeah. And you have to decide at that moment what, what you want to do and where you want to go from there. And I definitely think that in a situation like that, you have to decide, well, you know, what is the right, you know, right. what is the right thing for me to do? And that's yeah. not always the easiest thing. And certainly I can relate to how you would feel in terms of, well, what are people going to say? Yeah. I think yeah. we do that in everything. What oh, are people yeah. going to say? What we don't do want to hear think? negative comments. Yeah. Well, think, think about even yeah. something like when it's an active learning session and there's this randomized list and you get called on and you don't want to look like you don't know the answer in front of your peers. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Probably no one in the room knows the answer, but you're the unlucky one who got called on, and you could have studied 
your butt off, and then you get some random stupid question, and you're always like, the one crap, you don't know. Yeah. I know, always. it's like always the one you don't know, and so it's an uncomfortable feeling, and you don't like this feeling of people like, oh, she's kind of stupid, or she is so lazy, she can't figure this out, oh my god, I mean, nobody wants that feeling, yeah. but I guess if you can try to learn from that feeling, then that is helpful. So you know you're never going to come to class unprepared or you know, it just takes one time where you get pimped on a rotation a little bit and you're like, oh, shoot, they told me to read that article. I didn't read it. Now I'm called out. I will never do that again. So some of that is good, right? But some of the always worrying about what people think is bad, and that's something that I certainly struggle with a lot. And that whole... FSHP thing was, you know, was terrible. And one thing to go back to what you were mentioning, Riley, about knowing yourself was I wanted to be president for provider status. Anyone who knows me really well knows that I do not do well with money. Like I don't spend a lot of money, but I don't, this is so embarrassing, but like my husband does our taxes. He pays attention to the bank. I'm, like, blissfully ignorant. Yes, which I'm ashamed, like, as a feminist person, I shouldn't (laughs) say that. But there was no way. If I'm not even doing my own books at home, heck no, I don't need to be the leader for FSHP when they're rebuilding financially. And actually, that was a good thing because the guy who came in to rebuild FSHP, that was, like, his thing. That was his talent. So I felt like at least I got out of the way with someone who really knew what they were doing and that's something like I feel is very important for you to share with us because as Riley was saying we only hear about the greatness of people mm-hmm. and we don't really see the type of issues they face to get to that point in life and then once they have been established at a certain level that still things can happen mm-hmm. like you can't be complacent you can't stay stagnant and you have to continue to learn and grow from anything that occurs And it's like, for us as students, we definitely have our own (laughs) trials and tribulations daily. And I feel like that helps, like, us develop a thick skin to certain things and helps us grow as individuals and as people and let us know what we can and can't handle. Yeah, and I think during the ovarian cancer lunch, I said this. um, Riley was there. I don't know if you were there. I was there. Okay. So I was saying, you know, I want to be the kind of person who... um, like works to live but doesn't live to work and I think going through that FSHP thing which I didn't share in the ovarian cancer lunch but now I'm just sharing now (laughs) I think that that time sort of taught me that because you are absolutely right we always hear about all these successes and I think it happens with the students as well where like you know you're working so hard and you're doing well but there's always someone else who's getting highlighted and getting an award and you're like ah I'm happy for her, but where's my award? Yeah. I want to be Where's it. my moment? Yes, but it's not about that. We're all successful. It's just that, you know, we're all successful. And just because we're not in the newsletter or the Instagram story, I think sometimes those accolades, they're wonderful, and I would never begrudge someone a, an award. That's not what I mean at all. But there's more to it than yeah. just that, and I think we could all do – a better job of appreciating each other in the everyday and not just focusing on the those things. in the limelight. Yeah. Well, and everyone blooms at different times. Yep. There are yep. always different victories. And yep. even when we talk about different fields of pharmacy that people go into, everyone yep. has their different strengths. Yep. And so all the successes can still coexist in the world, I think. Absolutely. And I also think that's something that we strive at UF to build 
in our students and yeah. in the faculty to know that it's okay for others to shine and for us to congratulate them at that and that our time will come in whatever we decide to pursue. Yep. Um, that there really is room for everyone to grow and everyone Absolutely. to have their, their moments. And I think if you can be comfortable with that, that's the blessing in the whole thing is that you know that what you're doing is making you happy. So exactly. if you're not in the limelight, that's okay because you know that at the end of the day, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're knowing that you're working on what's making you the most happy and best pharmacy, student pharmacist, whatever you can be. Yeah, and that's something that I try to tell like my friends to so always look at yourself and try to be the best version of you. Yeah. And don't necessarily compare yourself to others because right. like Riley said, we all blossom at different times. Absolutely. And not only that, but we all have different career paths. So it's like yes. there's certain things I wouldn't even be able to get an award for because I'm not interested in that career. Right. But that doesn't right. mean I'm not significant in what I exactly. want to do just because maybe my career path doesn't go, yep. doesn't have those type of awards or yep. events that this one does. I think in terms, too, of talking of happiness, you know, in our pharmacy life, we did have the last question for you about that work-life balance. How do you serve as a successful pharmacist in all of your roles and complete all your obligations and yet still find the time to have your life outside of pharmacy and as you said, work to live and not live to work. Um, and kind of the question of, you know, can you really have it all? Can you have that successful pharmacy life and that's, still have that great time yeah. that's, at home? That's and what we struggle places. with now, yeah. even as students. And we can only imagine it's going to get worse. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> Just give up. good luck. Bye. No. I think that. It's a good question, can you have it all? And I don't think you can always have it all. So there's going to be times in your life where you're just working your butt off mm -hmm. and the work-life balance is all tipped towards the work and not much life. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that's okay. I do think that I'm lucky because I have a great partner. Sean is a pharmacist and he's amazing. He does um, cardiology pharmacy. He's a specialist here at the VA. He's outstanding at what he does, but he has a much different personality than I do. Like Sean's never stressed out and I'm always like stressed out about being stressed out. So we balance <laughs> each other pretty well. But I think um, he's been a great support system. So that helps with having this work-life balance, right? Having the dogs absolutely helps with uh, work-life balance because, you know, I can't be here for more than 12 hours because i got to go home and take care of the dogs. And so and we love seeing the posts about yeah. Teddy and Johnny. They're great. <laughs> Teddy and Johnny and their tough, terrible life. <laughs> um, so I think that the work-life balance is tough at certain times in your life. But I think that regardless of if you're a busy pharmacy student and maybe it's more work and less life, I still think you have to have one thing, though, like one thing where it's not related to pharmacy school or work. So if it's church or going to the beach or movies, movies, me. yes, whatever it can be, you have to have some time to be off. And so if that's only a couple hours a week at this point in your life because you're so busy with school, that's okay because the payoff is going to be that later on when you're established in your job and, you know, have more time and more flexibility with your time. I think that's probably what it boils down to is right now as students, you probably don't feel like you have a lot of 
control over your time. You have all that's, these yeah. demands. That's and the most all these frustrating thing I feel like we do. have is just, yeah. that's exactly it. It's like we're told to do this yeah. and the deadlines, we don't make them. Right. So we have to adhere to whatever deadlines right. the professors give or I yep. guess whoever gives you all professors like the deadlines. Yeah. As I like to say, I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> I always say things are above my pay grade. Yeah. Just because I'm not yeah, getting paid right them. now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they are above my pay grade apparently. I don't even know. Um, I think that's hard when you feel like you have all this stuff coming at you. And so having that special time where you can just have it all to yourself, even if it's just a half day a week at this point. Although now that electives are happening and summer is fixing to happen, you have a little bit more flexibility. So you should really enjoy this time and take advantage of what little control you have over this time because then you're going to come back in the fall and you'll be three PDs and then rotation starts. But most students like rotation schedules better because it's, you know, usually Monday through Friday. Maybe it's 12-hour days, but you feel like you're actually doing what you've been building up to all this time. So finally you're putting into practice what you've been learning in the classroom. But it's also a more normal schedule maybe because if you have to be at a place from 9 to 5 or 8 to 8 or whatever, it just kind of sets a more regular pattern, yeah. whereas with school and the way that we're doing things in the curriculum, Keeps I can see where it's mm-hmm. like Definitely. a lot and then maybe a little bit of a break and then mm-hmm. a lot. So it's very up and down, whereas rotations are going to be hard and stressful, but a different way. And maybe you'll feel good training, more, though, too. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like even after pharmacy school, life will still yes. be there and the job that you get, yep. there will always be deadlines yep. that you don't decide yourself and... Yeah. Um, kind of going through the curriculum like that at least gives you like a practice run yeah. almost of absolutely how building professionals. We, how do we handle yeah. that and how do you come out successful from that? Right. So oh. I think those are all the questions we had. But we thank you so much yeah. for your time. Um, thank you for yours too. I for appreciate it. all of our questions and just having a conversation with us. About Edit out all the bad stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Edit yeah, out that, all the failures. <laughs> the bird clock is staying though. Okay, cool. That's right. fine. <laughs> as long as that stays. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Capsule Production Podcast. We would like to give a special shout out to both Jeff and Brandon and to all the Capsule Production Podcast team who helped make this possible. Tune in for our next episode, where we will be interviewing current third-year student Riley O'Donnell on the topic of being a successful pharmacy student.